You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Connection with the sermon this afternoon, which will be regarding the Eighth Commandment, the commandment not to steal. I invite you to open your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 6. We'll read the verses 1 through 7. The Lord said to Moses, If anyone sins and is unfaithful to the Lord by deceiving his neighbor about something entrusted to him, or left in his care, or stolen, or if he cheats him, or if he finds lost property and lies about it, or if he swears falsely, or if he commits any such sin that people may do, when he thus sins and becomes guilty, he must return what he has stolen or taken by extortion, or what was entrusted to him, or the lost property he found or whatever it was he swore falsely about. He must make restitution in full, add a fifth of the value to it, and give it all to the owner on the day he presents his guilt offering. And as a penalty, he must bring to the priest, that is, to the Lord, his guilt offering, a ram from the flock, one without defect, and of the proper value. In this way, the priest will make atonement for him before the Lord, and he will be forgiven for any of those these things that he did that made him guilty. We'll turn to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, the verses 17 through 28. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with all the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Our text this afternoon is the Word of God as it's summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 42 of the Heidelberg Catechism concerning the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. What does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? God forbids not only outright theft and robbery, but also such wicked schemes and devices as false weights and measures, deceptive merchandising, counterfeit money, and usury. We must not defraud our neighbor in any way, whether by force or by show of right. In addition, God forbids all greed and all abuse or squandering of his gifts. What does God require in this commandment? I must promote my neighbor's, my neighbor's good wherever I can and may, deal with him as I would like others to deal with me, and work faithfully so that I may give to those in need. 
Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, last weekend, over the Thanksgiving weekend, my in-laws became victims of someone who broke the Eighth Commandment. Sometime during that weekend, thieves broke into the front door of their printing business in Mississauga, Ontario, and made off with thousands thousands of dollars worth of computers and computer equipment. Being a printer, being in graphic design, these were good computers necessary for the work that my in-laws do there, and a thief came in and took them all away. Now, if you've ever had your home or your car broken into, then you know the feeling of being burglarized, of being robbed. You know that sense of being violated Someone's taken more than just the possessions that they made off with. You know that feeling of the invasion of your privacy. And you know the feeling of of thinking what sort of audacity these people must have in order to go through with this crime. I doubt that anyone in response to hearing about The thieves that broke into my in-laws' printing business would raise an eyebrow and say, well, so what? What's the big deal? Maybe those people needed some computers. Maybe they needed the money. My in-laws have insurance. They can get new computers. Maybe this person needed it. Who are we to judge? No one would raise an eyebrow because everyone understands that stealing is sin. Stealing is wrong. Even those who are hardened thieves recognize that what they are doing is wrong. They just find that the proceeds and the results that they get from their crime are worth more than the realization that what they're doing is wrong. Yet, we need to consider, as we've been doing with the commandments over the last number of Sundays, that with all the commandments, this one as well reaches deeper and further than we might at first be prone to think. This commandment as well exposes our own hearts. But in laying bare our sins and our sinfulness, this commandment also teaches us of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it directs us in how to use our possessions for the good, rather than taking the possessions of our neighbor, how to use our possessions for the good of our neighbor and for the glory of God. And so our theme this afternoon is simply, you shall not steal. And we'll consider what that means, what the commandment is to steal, and what's underneath that commandment, why ought we not to steal? And finally then, how then? How then are we to live in obedience to this commandment? Both in responding to it when we understand that it convicts our hearts, and also how do we move forward in thankful obedience to this commandment? So, we are not to steal. What is stealing? Well, stealing is simply defined, you could say, as taking something that doesn't belong to you without permission. If you walk into someone's printing business in Mississauga, you grab their computer and walk off with it, that's fine, as long as you have their permission to do so. 
you don't have their permission, or you do without their knowledge, then you're stealing it. The essence of this commandment is, is acts done in secrecy and by deception. That's sort of the center of this command against stealing, but of course it includes more things that you take by force or by show of right. And God's law is very clear that stealing is a crime against your neighbor. Your neighbor has something, you take it without their permission, it's a crime against your neighbor. And so implicit in this law, underneath it, you could say, is the concept of personal property rights. Personal property rights. That there are things that belong to you that don't belong to me. And there are things that belong to me that don't belong to you. This commandment implicitly rejects a sort of collectivistic communism that says that everyone must share all things in common. In fact... For someone else to come along and insist that we must share all things in common is stealing. And that's been done in history with communist governments. who have come along and basically stolen a whole nation blind. That's theft. That's stealing. And so on, underneath this commandment is personal property rights. That there are things that belong to some people, to someone, it doesn't belong to someone else, and it's they're not their right to take it from their neighbor. And most of the laws in the Torah, in the, the first five books of the Bible, the law of Moses, deal with this neighborly aspect of stealing, not taking things from someone else. Exodus 22 has all sorts of laws about stealing. It says you're not to take your neighbor's livestock. You're not to break into his home. You're not to keep something that he gave you for safekeeping. And say that it's actually yours. All these things are stealing. They're a sin against your neighbor. And Leviticus 6 as well, which we read together, it, it talks about this neighborly aspect of stealing. And it includes other ways that we are not to take what is our neighbor. So yes, it says no one is to sin or be unfaithful to the Lord by deceiving his neighbor about something entrusted to him or left in his care or stolen. But it also says there you're not to cheat your neighbor. So even if you managed to get something by his permission, but you did it under false pretenses, that's also stealing. You're not to lie about property, or if you find lost property, or if you swear falsely, this is also stealing. You're not to take what is your neighbor's. You're also not to rip off your neighbor by lying or cheating. Today, we'd call that fraud. Fraud is stealing. Okay, so we get all this. But in considering the extent of the commandment, we it also it helps us if we consider the question, well, if stealing is a sin against my neighbor, then who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? For example, it's not just private property of the neighbor that, that's in view with this commandment, but it's also your neighbor's livelihood. You're not to steal from your neighbor's livelihood. Exodus 22 says you're not to steal your neighbor's pasture land. He needs the pasture land for his livelihood. You're not to take it. For us today, that means we're not to steal from our neighbor's business. Whether that's the mom and pop grocery or corner store, or whether it's a multinational giant like Walmart, regardless, we're not to steal from them. And this, in fact, is a huge area of theft 
Some recent studies show that one in 11 shoppers is a shoplifter. They go shopping, but they don't pay for the things that they walk out of the store with. Some recent stats show that retail crime costs Canadian retailers $3.6 billion a year in losses. And that 90%, almost 90% of small retail stores report being victims of crime. And then you put that together with a number that says only about 1 in 36 cases of shoplifting are actually reported. And you realize that probably everyone is getting ripped off in this way, uh, in some way or another. Shoplifting is stealing. Well, if a retail store is my neighbor, then this commandment works the other way around as well. It means that stores or businesses may also not rip off consumers. Leviticus, in chapter 19, forbids using false weights and measures. That's where you say something, uh, you're, you're comparing it with a pound, but the weight that you're using is either heavier or lighter, depending on whether you're buying or selling. And so, if you're, you, you're trying to get more than you're paying for, or you're trying to sell less than the consumer is paying for. Leviticus forbids false weights and measures. But this also includes things like deceptive marketing, suggesting things about products that are not true. It also includes bait and switch tactics. You say something's in your store to try and get everyone to come, but when everyone shows up, oh, it's not actually there, but you can buy this replacement product for quite a bit more than the one that we got you in here with. You're not allowed to fix prices, so businesses are not allowed to get get together to fix prices, and you're not allowed to use marketing fraud. Do you know that $64 million is reported lost to mass marketing fraud each year, where companies and individuals target naive consumers who pay money for something and end up getting nothing? So your neighbor includes your neighbor's livelihood. It includes retail stores. It includes businesses. Well, who else is our neighbor? Well, the Lord Jesus commands us to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. The Apostle Paul says that we are to give the government everything we owe them, including taxes. So cheating on your taxes, not recording sources of income, Falsely claiming charitable donations. This is stealing. Government, in this sense, is our neighbor. We're not to take from them. On the flip side, of course, the government is not to steal from its citizens either. Governments are not to impose undue or unfair tax burdens on their citizens. Governments are to to manage and not to misuse public funds. Civil servants and elected officials are not to misuse their spending accounts and the public funds that they have. It's very troubling to constantly hear about these elected officials or civil servants who seem to have no regard for the fact that the money that they are misusing all over the world is in fact taxpayer, citizens, public money to be used for the common good. The Bible is clear about misusing your authority or your position for financial gain. It's quite simple, but what it is, it's called stealing. Okay, well, who else is your neighbor? Are we starting to run out of options? Well, the Bible teaches in Leviticus 19 that employers, 
as well, are not to hold back wages from their employees. So when employers underpay employees, when they make unreasonable demands on the time and the energy of their employees, when they don't provide a a safe working environment even for their employees where they face the risk of getting hurt and, and being off work for long periods of time without compensation, they are in fact stealing from their employees. But that goes the other way around as well. Employees are not to steal from their employers. But yet, every single day, probably in every single business, there is some type of theft happening. A lot of crime not being reported as employees make personal use of of business resources like the photocopier or the phone. They take longer breaks than they're getting paid for when they do personal things like napping or surfing the web or reading or gossiping around the water cooler on company time. They walk home with office supplies. They record their hours dishonestly. You know how that goes, right? You, you, you leave 15 minutes before the hour every single day, but you record that you were there for the full hour on your timesheet. You falsify expense claims, use company credit card for personal expenses, etc., etc., etc. This is stealing. This is stealing from your employer. You're taking things from your employer that belong to your employer and don't belong to you. And also businesses aren't to steal from other businesses by not paying for services received or making false claims about what work was done or what work was not done or withholding payment for long periods of time after the work has been completed. This too is stealing. And those in the company that are involved with this are complicit in the crime. And so we could go on. It's possible to steal from neighbors you do not know, for example, by plagiarizing ideas for financial gain. All of these are forms of stealing. And if you ask the question, who is my neighbor? You remember, of course, what the Lord Jesus said. Or the picture that he gave with the story of the Good Samaritan. Our neighbor is anyone who is in need. We ought to help those who are in need. And when we don't, we are stealing from them. All these are forms of stealing, and they all do harm to your neighbor. They're all a sin against your neighbor. And the Bible then is clear, the command is clear, don't take something that belongs to your neighbor. But of course, stealing is more than this, isn't it? Stealing is not just about you and your neighbor. Stealing is a crime against God. God's the one who gave this commandment. So every time we break this commandment, we are sinning against God. And further, the commandment teaches us that everything that has been given to us has been given to us by God. We are to be stewards of the good things that God gives to us. And that means that under no circumstances are we to take what God has given to our neighbor. And we, of course, also are not to take what first belongs to God. This, too, is a form of stealing. The prophet Malachi says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, well, how do you rob me? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. The people of Israel were not giving their tithe. 
They were not providing for the ministry of of the priests and the Levites and also the care of the poor. And by doing so, God says, you are directly robbing me. God calls us to give, to support the ministry of the gospel and also to give, to support those who are in need, to withhold your offering, to spend that money on something else or to hoard it for yourself is stealing. You're not only stealing it from your neighbor in need, you're stealing it directly from God. And so this commandment is extremely comprehensive. You realize that it impacts all of our earthly possessions and all of our relationships. The question we'll consider now is why, or why do we do this? Why do we break this command? We can all agree that it's wrong, but why do we break this command? Well, I read an interesting article from Time magazine entitled, Why Almost All of Us Cheat and Steal. I probably want to change that to not almost all of us, but all of us cheat and steal. They give some reasons, some some psychology studies on why people steal. They say the biggest reason for dishonesty is the ability to rationalize our actions. So we we can think of a good reason why we would steal so that we can steal and then still consider ourselves honest people. We like to think of ourselves as honest people, and so we can trick ourselves into thinking that there are ways to steal but remain honest. They also noted that if, if there's a psychological distance between ourselves and what we're stealing or who we're stealing from, then stealing is easier. So I might not walk across the road and steal my neighbor's TV, but to cheat on my taxes against the sort of faceless government is a whole lot easier. It also found that we are more likely to steal if we do it for others. We actually feel good about ourselves by stealing and then giving it to others, the Robin Hood effect. And there is also a slippery slope with honesty. They notice that people who begin to steal a little bit find it much easier to continue to steal a lot. That's often how it goes in transgressing this commandment. You start with a little bit, and that goes okay, and so you start to reach for more. Interesting how this explains some of the dynamics of why we steal, but the problem actually goes deeper than that. Let's go back and consider the the explanation of, of the definition of stealing. It's taking something that belongs to someone else. So the question is then, what do we steal? We steal things. We steal belongings. We steal because we want something else. We want something else because we value it so highly. We value that object or we value what that object is going to give to us more highly than we value our neighbor. We value that object or what that object is going to give to us more highly than we value God. So theft exposes what's going on in our hearts. It exposes the materialism, the desire to have things to make our life more comfortable, more better, more fulfilling, that resides in our hearts. Yes, this materialism resides in our hearts very early. It resides in the heart of the child, a very young age, who learns that toys are great and good, 
And if some other kid has a toy that I want, I'll go and take it, make my life better. Now, material things, of course, in saying that that stealing exposes materialism, it's not to say that material things are bad. Not at all. God gives us good gifts. God gives us good gifts so we can support our families, so that we can live and enjoy life. The goods aren't bad. But what goes wrong is our desire for more of these. More than we've been given by God. And so we become willing and that desire for more to rip off or defraud or deceive our neighbor in order to gain more for ourselves. And so the root of theft is greed. Greed is idolatry. The Lord Jesus says in Matthew 9, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Greed is idolatry. And so God forbids theft because, yes, it destroys relationships between neighbors. It's destructive and even harmful to society. But even more, God forbids theft because he must forgive theft. Because he is God and theft exposes an idolatrous heart. Theft exposes a heart that wants not to worship God. So God must forbid theft. The human heart is not made for idolatry. The human heart is made to worship God and to honor God with all of the things that God gives to us. We are made to worship the one true God, to find rest and contentment in him alone and in all the good things that come to us from his hand. When we steal, we expose the running after of other gods and the rejection of what God has given to us. And so then, how are we to live thankful lives before God in light of this command? Well, in the first place, we must recognize, of course, this idolatry, this heart motivation within us. And we must respond to it. The very beginning of obedience is recognizing the sin in stealing. The reason why at the beginning of the sermon I listed so many ways that we can steal is that we might, so that we might consider our lives, so that we might examine our hearts, so we might see where we possibly are breaking this commandment. We need to identify where we are stealing. And when we do so, we need to recognize that what we have there is not first of all a theft problem. But what we have there is a worship problem. Not worshiping God. We're worshiping a false God. If your heart has been exposed, if you have seen yourself in the ways that we can break this commandment or in the greed that sits under this, under this command, repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. And find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The gospel of the eighth commandment is revealed in the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross with nothing. They sold even his clothes. He went to the cross 
with nothing. Not only did he not steal while on this earth, but he gave up everything that he had. He gave up eternal divine glory and honor, and he gave up all material possessions. He didn't have a place to lay down his head. He went to the cross with nothing. And on the cross, he bore God's judgment against our greed, against our frauds, against our cheating, and against our theft. Yes, he so identified with thieves that as he hung there, they were robbers on each side of him. He identified with us in our sinful, stealing hearts. And he bore the burden of God's wrath against that sin. So recognize the sin. Find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And then find holiness and renewal also in Jesus Christ. And part of this renewal in the first place in responding to the sin is that there needs to be a desire to make things right. You may have noticed that the Old Testament law calls on thieves. We read about it in Leviticus chapter 6. It's all over Exodus 22 as well. Calls on thieves to make restitution. It's not enough to simply say, oh, I'm sorry for doing that, and then walk off with the things that you've stolen. God's law calls us to pay back what we have taken and to pay back even more on top of that. The principle of restitution, though, is about more than just material goods. It's about that relationship between the neighbors that has been broken. Making restitution to your neighbor allows you to repair that relationship and to prove to them that you are truly remorseful for what you've taken. Because talk is cheap. It's easy to say, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. It's hard to repay and make restitution For the things that we've taken. But by restitution, the thief has the opportunity to repair what has been broken and to express his love for God by paying back in full and even more than in full what he's taken. And so making restitution is the, is part of that pursuit of holiness and renewal in Jesus Christ in obedience to this commandment. But there's also more in showing our thankfulness to the Lord by obeying this commandment. This commandment teaches us about the proper place of our possessions and how we can use them to the good of God and our neighbor. There there are good and legitimate ways to gain possessions. Of course, it's not only by stealing from your neighbor that you can gain, but you can gain possessions by working. God calls on us to work. And he promises to reward our work by giving us our daily bread, by giving us what we need. Gaining possessions through illegitimate means is destructive and harmful. Gaining possessions through legitimate means like work is a blessing from God. God gives us that way to earn our possessions. And also in showing us that stealing is a matter of idolatry, God teaches us that we have the opportunity to worship God with our possessions. Have you comprehended your possessions in that way? That you have the opportunity with the physical, real stuff that God has given to you to worship him. If idolatry is misusing the possessions that he's given us, then true worship is properly using 
the possessions that he's given to us. That's why we have a collection within the worship service. That's why we put money in the collection. Because you can worship God with the gifts that he's given to you. The weekly collection is a weekly reminder of the goodness of the material things that God has given to us and the opportunity that we have to serve God with them. And God also gives us these things so that we might be effective and useful in his kingdom. He gives these things to us so that we can support ourselves and our families. He gives these material possessions to us by legitimate means so that we can support our friends and our close relatives and our brothers and sisters in Christ when they are in need. He gives us these possessions so that we can help the poor who are in the church and the Apostle Paul teaches us so we can help the poor who are outside of the church so we can do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. He gives us these possessions so that by managing them well, we can give credibility and honor to the kingdom of God. That's what he says in Titus chapter 2. He says, slaves, don't steal from your masters, but be trustworthy in every way so that you make the teaching of God our Savior attractive. By using our possessions properly, we have the opportunity to do that. God gives us these possessions, we also learn, so that we can use them to make friends to build relationships, and to show Christian love and hospitality, again, to our brothers and sisters in Christ and to those outside. God gives us these material possessions so that we can support the ministry of the gospel, the work of the gospel as it's proclaimed here and around the world. It's been said that money makes the world go round. Well, within the kingdom of God, money helps the gospel go around the world. And so the child of God who's been redeemed by Jesus Christ, the the recipient of, of Jesus Christ making himself poor so that we might become rich, has no reason to steal. We've been given everything we need by God. We are rich and secure beyond measure. We have riches in abundance beyond this world. He who was rich became poor for us. To make us rich. And so let us then use our riches to love our neighbor and to love God. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.